Hello, this is Dr. Beverly Wright, and thank you for listening to Tag Data Talk, sponsored by Emory Continuing Education and hosted by Dr. Beverly Wright. Tag Data Talk covers topics on the current state and future outlook of analytics and data science using an interview format with professionals and academics to discuss use cases, future trends, talent and skills, organizational structures, tool advancements, and other topics related to data science. Thanks for listening. Hello, this is Dr. Beverly Wright, and thanks for joining Tag Data Talk. With us today, we have a panel of data experts from Chick-fil-A, and we're talking about advancing analytics capabilities. Thanks for joining us, Lindsay, Jason, and Melinda. Thank you for having us. This is awesome. Thanks. Oh, great. It's fun to have multiple people from the same company. This is wonderful. Um, so let's start off with just some introductions. You guys tell us, why are you so cool in the data space? Well, I think we're cool at Chick-fil-A because Chick-fil-A is all about care, caring for our customers, caring for um, our operators and how we can enable them to care for their team members. And in the data and analytics space, we get to equip and empower people all over the business to make caring for all of those people easier. Great. So tell us more about your background. Well, I actually have an accounting background, but went straight into really financial analysis straight out of school and have always worked in the restaurant industry and um, came to Chick-fil-A over 17 years ago where um, I really started working, if you think about analytics and the continuum of analytics, started working in descriptive and diagnostic analytics and have seen analytics really mature um, around the business for the 17 years that I've been there. Fantastic. Thanks for joining us. And Jason, tell us about you. Why are you so cool? Well, I think analytics is kind of a superpower. And I think it's pretty awesome to be able to go to work every day and put on my cape and help make other people be rock stars around the business. Um, and I know you've been in this field for a while because we used to hang out together. Yeah, that's this is very <laughs> true. That's very true. So um, I originally did my uh, grad work, uh, PhD work in sociology. So I enjoyed studying social systems um, and learning how to use data about those systems to understand how they work. And it turns out that that training was really good training for understanding how businesses work and in particular how businesses um, either do or don't meet the needs of their customers. Um, my first sort of real job, analytics job out of grad school, um, was in uh, uh, marketing research related to customer satisfaction. And uh, just really enjoyed the opportunity there to build models that give insight to why customers make the choices they do. Fantastic. PhD in sociology, just like Tom Davenport. Very That's nice. Right. Melinda, tell us why you're so cool. Because I get to work with Jason and Lindsay. <laughs> Good answer. Uh, right. I, I think, you know, um, being able to work in uh, advancing analytic capabilities at a great company like Chick-fil-A, where we really do care, I think what what I try to do is scale analytics at Chick-fil-A with care and confidence. My background is actually... Um, in pattern recognition, latent class modeling. Um, I was academic first, math stat, and then I took an exit into business where I did my PhD. And um, primarily focused on consumer analytics. And over the past decade and a half, it's come a long way in terms of the data available and the compute power. So a lot of things that when I was um, 
in academia, we could only do, you know, theoretically yes. having to prove. Yes. You can actually spin up now and, and do semi-real time. Uh, and just it's, it's a, an amazing time to be an, in analytics and also at Chick-fil-A where we do care about scaling, not just doing uh, analytics for analytics sake, but helping our company care for our guests and for operators and everyone that works at Chick-fil-A. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. I love trying to teach the concept of latency to my students um, back in the day. So very nice. Um, Wonderful. So let's start off with just sort of some uh, stage setting. When we talk about advancing analytics capabilities, what do we mean by analytics? Are we talking about a certain part of the Gartner curve or the entire thing or something else altogether? What do we mean by that? You know, I think for us, it really is about advancing all of the continuum, the the descriptive, the diagnostic, predictive and prescriptive. Because, I mean, at a, at a business like Chick-fil-A, we're fortunate that we had great legacy and great heritage at Chick-fil-A where intuition really helped us grow the business for many years. Um, But as people retire, the business grows and changes, um, intuition doesn't really scale. And that's where we can help bring uh, analytic capabilities to bear. And I think, you know, that really does happen across all four of those dimensions because, we have a lot of folks who are really just getting into the game of analytics around the business, and we need to help them with descriptive, while others are far more mature, and um, we need to start bringing more advanced capabilities to bear. And Jason, you can probably add more there. Certainly. Um, I think I would say that um, we use the term analytics in much the same way we use the term science. Mm-hmm. Like there are lots of sciences, whether it's biology, chemistry, physics, so on, that have really diverse uh, subject matter, but they're unified in the fact that they all involve some sort of application of the scientific method mm-hmm. to establish what's true and what's not, to understand causality. Um, and I think with analytics, we're in a similar uh, situation in which um, there are lots of uh, discrete, diverse subject matter that fits under that umbrella. Um, and it's an exciting time to be in analytics, I think, because of that. Um, but at the same time, there is sort of a common core in there that um, I think is useful for us around you know, the computational tool set um, and the methodologies that we apply to particular problems based on the nature of the data that's available. Um, and I think that's a unifying thing around analytics. So when I think about uh, advancing analytics capabilities at Chick-fil-A, a lot of what I'm thinking about there is across the full range of analytic activities from descriptive all the way up to prescriptive and across the diverse audiences that we have at Chick-fil-A who are engaged in those activities, um, how do we bring to them a tool set that makes them better at their jobs, that gives them faster, richer insight into the business problems that they're um, tasked with uh, with understanding and resolving. Got it. So when we think about analytics in this context, it sounds like um, you're saying across all the dimensions, and you can advance analytics without shoving everything over to the prescriptive right side. That's right. So you can advance even on the descriptive side. You can advance on, so each stage has its own opportunity for advancement. Um, and so in what ways can we advance? Like, are we talking about solving more challenging 
questions? Are we looking at wider tool belts or um, different types of efficiencies? When we talk about advancing analytics, and Jason, you sort of hinted on this just a tad, um, what do we mean by that? Or is it more just a mind state? What does that What does that mean for us? You know, at Chick-fil-A, we're really passionate about um, data literacy. And data literacy for us is... Um, is the piece that's going to advance analytics capabilities across all four of those dimensions. It's going to take business people and, to Jason's point, put capes on them and allow them to be superheroes in whatever type of business decision-making they're involved in. And that can be, you know, day-to-day, frontline, I just need some quick KPIs. Mm-hmm. Or it could mean I need to determine how to bring more efficiency to a back-of-house process in our kitchens and our restaurants. And um, data literacy around what data do we have? Is it is it secure? Is it quality data? What tools do I need? Um, and what methodologies do I need? But frankly, understanding the problem from the beginning and making sure that it's well-defined so that um, we do bring the right analytics capabilities to the problem. Mm -hmm. I think that's a huge opportunity. Okay. And one thing just to tag on to that is we're spending a lot of time trying to understand the problem. And um, we have a process that we go through, which basically parallels the innovation process, understand, imagine, prototype, validate, and deploy. And we're trying to intentionally spend a lot of time up front on understanding really what the business question is, what the business problem is for our key stakeholders. And also we're mindful in speaking to people, uh, key stakeholders or people in the business that basically have a different perspective. So we are spending a lot of time up front so that we make sure that we're using the analytic tools and methods appropriately um, to really get value on the back end when we implement the solutions to the um, business. Mm-hmm. Great. I think Melinda's right that a problem well-defined is already half-solved. Um, and so we spend a lot of time there. I think beyond that, though, there's a real synergy between um, improving our data, improving our methods, um, and the business problems that are really driving uh, innovation to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's often the case that um, you'll find that advance, that analytics will advance um, because of change in any one of these creates the condition for change in all of them. So getting access to a new data set that you've never seen before that has relevance to the business opens up questions that you've not thought about before sure. and then sort of takes you in that direction or um, seeing a new methodology become available um, that allows you to interrogate your existing data in a new way to mm-hmm. uncover additional insight um, also uh, may make problems that were previously untractable now um, easy to solve. So. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So what I've gotten so far is um, – when we are thinking of advancing analytics, how do we go about doing that? Um, some of what I picked through um, from your comments is, um, and these are not in any particular order, but number one, culture. And from a culture perspective, this involves data literacy, changing mindset, um, e- equipping people, giving them the enablement to do something. Uh, second is just more the knowledge advancement for your teams and your internal constituents to know what's available, you know, what's out there. 
Number three, and I'm really passionate about number three, which um, you guys talked about, problem framing. Um, I actually teach entire workshops and courses on that. Darren and I are talking to a couple clients about about executing on some of these. But the whole idea of problem framing and understanding the actual situation up front, because um, there are two places that I typically see analytics fail, is that they're not answering the question that was asked from the beginning because the the business person sometimes doesn't know how to ask it. They're doing the best they can. The data scientist is trying to interpret it the best they can, and there's not really a a process that that a lot of people go through. So I'm um, I'm really big on that. And the second one is a lot of times storytelling is where it falls apart. So that third one was problem framing. The fourth thing that you guys mentioned was um, really communicating the value. So you can advance analytics just by communicating the value more succinctly. And then um, fifth, you talked about finding ways to improve. And these are improvements in your data, improvements in your methods, improvements um, throughout the life cycle of an analytic process. Um, are there, is there anything I missed or anything you want to elaborate on as far as like how would you go about um, advancing analytics if you were to give advice to someone who's coming straight out of school and they're going into a company and, and they're saying like, oh, my, you know, they're hiring me so that I can advance analytics. What other advice would you maybe give that person? I think that um, one other piece I would layer in here is um, there can be a tendency to want to find um, the most high-powered, most complicated, shiniest solution to a yes. particular business problem. Yes. Um, because it's cool or it's new um, or because there's some sense that it has a cachet that um, older, maybe more pedestrian methods um, uh, might lack. And I would say we're really careful to try to coordinate or to, to uh, calibrate um, the solution uh, to the audience as mm-hmm. much as to the problem. Um, because adoption really is part of the key to the value proposition for the analytics that we would deploy to the business. And if the audience um, is hesitant to adopt a solution that we might provide, regardless of its accuracy or if it's, or its potency, um, if, if they can't um, connect with it in a way that builds trust, um, then all of that effort's probably wasted. Fantastic. Uh, so, Fantastic point. You know, trying so, to find a way to just really choose the level of sophistication relative to the problem and the audience. Yeah. I mean, as soon as Melinda said that she's um, an expert in latent class modeling, I thought, oh, we should talk. I love latent class modeling. Um, but so you're saying keep yourself mindful that advancing doesn't necessarily mean the fancier technique to always remember Occam's razor that your uh, solution should be as simple as it needs to be, but not overly simple that it doesn't actually solve the problem. And another point that um, that Jason made is around adoption. You can advance analytics just by improving adoption. And you sort of hinted around that some of that has to do with um, trust and understanding. So very, very great points. Um, this all sounds amazing. However, the reality is that there are going to be certain barriers. So what kind of challenges or barriers come about when you're trying to advance analytics and um. I, you know, at Aspiron, I see all kinds of clients that are trying to move their their analytics forward and they keep running into roadblocks and barriers. So I'm curious to get this panel's perspective on that. What kind of challenges or barriers are you seeing as you try to advance analytics in general, not necessarily just at Chick-fil-A, but just in general? I think one of the things that is um, talked about a lot and has been for some years is um, data privacy and, and personal privacy of data. I, I work a lot in customer and consumer analytics. 
and, you know, laws really, you know, it could be viewed, this customer privacy, as a barrier. But actually, at Chick-fil-A, we view it as an opportunity, and I personally view it as an opportunity to really take the time to protect confidential information and to, I'm going back to care, care about, you know, how you're using the data about people because behind that data is actually a person. Mm -hmm. And not to just do analytics without thinking through the potential implications of if data is breached or if confidentiality is out there in the marketplace. Would you want your data, you know, to be out broadcast, you know, your personal, your your financial information, et cetera, your, your buying habits and practices, things like that. So, you know, when, when we're thinking about applying or doing customer analytics, things like digital media targeting or, or things like that, really thinking about the data not just as, you know, data bits and everything and something that will fuel a model, but really, you know, taking responsibility for you know, caring about how the data is used and the privacy um, in the on the customer personal information. Very nice. Okay, so privacy can be a little bit of a, um, a I don't want to say a barrier as much as more of a, a challenge that you have to overcome. You have to right, figure out, right. well, how are we going to do this within the restrictions and the policy and all that sort of thing? What are some other barriers that you would tell someone like, hey, you we're saying to do all this cool stuff to advance analytics, but we know that there are going to be some barriers. So here's some things to watch out for. I would say access to um, large quantities of high-quality labeled training data mm-hmm. comes pretty high at the list. Um, when I think about um, where the value lies in analytics, um, the majority of the value actually exists in the data itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and the analytics really are there to uncover that value, to strip away the parts of it that aren't useful so that you can see the relevant pieces more clearly. Um, and I think, um, you know, back in the old days um, when statistics um, was the primary analytics um, sort of met, uh, uh, discipline, um, and everything, you know, that was important to do um, needed to be done on small-scale data because, one, that's really all that existed. And, two, we didn't have the computational power available to solve problems otherwise. So we were doing a lot of closed-form solutions um, onto, uh, on a lot of problems that way. Um, you know, we're now in a situation where there are gobs of data, you know, just massive amounts of data that are available. But just because there's a massive amount of data available doesn't mean that data is useful for any particular problem. Uh, and it doesn't mean that the signal embedded in that um, data, if there is one, is strong enough to make that data relevant. Um, so curating data needs to be done with intention, and it actually requires quite a bit of investment on the part of the business Mm -hmm. um, to make sure that it's collecting the data that's relevant as opposed to just what's convenient or what they already know to measure. Right. I think we sometimes get get trapped into just measuring what we think we already know, um, and we miss a lot that way because we're not casting the net perhaps wider and, and with more focus. The other thing I'd say is... If you measure the right things for a particular problem and your data quality is good enough, mm-hmm. you don't need complex machine learning to solve those problems mm-hmm. at that point because the hard work in curating the data is really where all of the value ha- lies. You generally have to fall back on on complicated machine learning in situations where your data only 
contains weak signals, and, and even those signals are really embedded in highly nonlinear or sort of multidimensional, um, uh, you know, s situations. Um, so I would say, you know, we have, as analytics methodologies advanced, we've traded the clarity that a well-planned, targeted small-scale analysis would have provided in the past mm -hmm. um, for the convenience of automated sifting of piles of data whose relevance and quality really is kind of largely unknown in the hopes that we'll find the proverbial needle in the haystack. And guess what? We're finding some needles. And oh, yeah. we're finding them faster than we ever have before. But overall, I'm ambivalent about whether or not that trade has been broadly worth it. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Okay, so access to really clean, large, and I love how you added relevant data sets. GIGO is always going to be a thing, garbage in, garbage out. So you got to make sure that you've got um, fantastic data to work with. Otherwise, you're faced with a big barrier for sure. Beverly, the last thing I'd say is really, it's probably the most obvious, but just around resourcing and um, the types of teams that you pull together Um we we have realized that, I mean, to Jason's point, the gobs of data that are available to us, we we need to have teams in place who um, are well balanced on the data engineering side and on the data science side. And then we also bring to the table analytics translators to help create that um, conduit back to the business to get that understanding of the business problem back to our point earlier and then bring the the data engineers and the business people and the data scientists together to think through how do we solve this and how do we have adoption? Um, how do we work on it from the beginning so that it is um, a solution that is right for the audience and right for the problem? And so having those specific skill sets around the table can be a barrier if you can't find that talent. Gotcha. Um, but yes. we've we've realized that those um, those uh, different um, uh, those different roles are really critical in um, advancing analytics. Yeah, and you're not talking about one one type of secret sauce. You're talking about the whole stew, the right mixture, having the um, the good uh, combination right. of different talent that uh, come to the team and pull the analytics together. Beautiful. And um, Jason, you, you hinted a tad about um, the type of technique. Um, have you guys run into barriers or, again, I'm not talking about Chick-fil-A specifically, but just in general, have you, have you noticed or witnessed barriers where there's a black box fear for certain types of solutions that are developed? Or what can you speak about that as, as far as being a barrier? Yeah, certainly. Um, if you think about our constituencies at Chick-fil-A, uh, customers are one constituency and um, you know, customers, um, as as the public discussion about data privacy continues and, and customers become more sensitive to and, and um, attuned to um, their data and what's happening with their data, I think we will s see more interest in um, companies being more transparent with how they use analytics to make, particularly to make decisions about how we interact with customers um, based on that data. So that's that's one set of concerns that I think are relevant here. We also have internal constituencies, uh, whether it's in the restaurant or in the the rest of the support center staff, um, who have varying appetites for technically complex um, work. And so we really do have to be intentional about um, in advance trying to understand um, 
how sophisticated a solution is really warranted right. given where that particular constituency is in their sort of data analytics journey. Um, and and that's an input. You know, in some cases we may choose to simplify because we think it's the right thing to do for that particular use case and that audience. In other cases, we may choose to try to stretch them a little bit. We might start with a simple solution mm -hmm. as a benchmark and then show them what happens when you adopt a more complex solution and sort of leapfrog what's the gain in accuracy, what's the gain in, in business value delivered. And then give them the option to sort of choose between some options, having more clearly understood the relative trade-off in accuracy versus um, insight or or transparency. Got it. Very cool. Okay. To wrap us up, um, what one, if you could just give one piece of advice for a new analytics professional, what one piece of advice would you give to a new analytics professional trying to advance analytics in their company? That one takeaway for someone. I would go back to data literacy. And um, again, for us, data literacy really starts with understanding your business, understanding the business problems, um, understanding your industry and the competitive set, so that when you do get asked those either seemingly simple or really complicated questions, you're better equipped to walk the path with them to understanding what data do I need, what methodologies do I need, and how do I need to deploy the solution back to them because you fully understand um, the business problem and understand how it can add value back to um, this stakeholder in the business. Very cool. So if you could tell someone coming out of college about to start their first real job and maybe they have a master's degree, say, like, look, kid, if you can advance data literacy, you're doing great. Totally agree. As, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, gotcha. What, you, what about you guys, Melinda, Jason? I think uh, for new people coming out, I'd probably say, you know, you're going to have many, many opportunities. Uh, it's a hot job market. And make sure that you really spend time understanding what role you will play mm -hmm. in, in the position, mm -hmm. making sure there's a career path uh, for the job that you take. And also there's areas to develop uh, built into your position. Because this is a, you know, it's a growing area, it's fast, et cetera, so development. And, of course, you need to take responsibility for your own development, but also make sure you're going to companies like Chick-fil-A where we really do put a, um, a lot of emphasis on continuing development okay. uh, in the career. So you would right. tell a new person that the way to advance analytics of their company is develop themselves. Right. Like make sure you pay attention to your own development. Um, a lot of times I see that when um, people get out of a master's program, they're like, okay, I'm all done. Ta-da. And I'm like, dude, no, this is a dynamic field. You got to go get certification or, you know, do something, continue that development. So great advice, Melinda. I think I would say um, learning to manage up in your organization in terms of helping to set expectations for your leaders um, about what analytics can and can't do and about the kind of investment required um, for an analytics program to have enough momentum to really begin to deliver value back into the business. Um, business leaders, I think, particularly non-technical business leaders, often have a set of contradictory expectations about analytics. On the one hand, they, they'd love to have an easy button. So, if, you know, if we can push the analytics easy button and solve some really complicated problems, um, you know, and there's a sense that we're on the 
cusp of you know a golden age of analytics in which AI is going to make everything um, somehow better. <laughs> um, so you know if if uh, if that's on the one hand, on the other hand is also the desire for um, transparency mm. and for wanting to be able to follow the numbers. Um, through the you know through the whole computation process you know can you show me on the back of a napkin how you got to this result because if you can't then maybe I don't know if I can trust it or not um, and so those two things exist in tension with one another because the really cool AI stuff is um, uh, as far away from clear and transparent um, as you can get pretty much um, I, I don't blame the leaders it's not their fault Right, and as a practitioner, I actually want exactly the same thing. I would love all of the benefit that that complexity brings from these new methodologies, um, along with clear transparency and decomposability. Uh, it just doesn't exist right now. So figuring out how, as a professional, to manage up and to navigate the tension between those two sets of contradictory expectations, mm -hmm. you figure that out, you can be successful. Awesome. I love that advice. Um, I tell, I used to tell my students and I tell my executive um, participants now when I teach an executive course is that it's sort of called like a crystal ball syndrome. If they think you can just, you know, use a crystal ball to create a solution, then they don't really know the limit of what can and can't be done. So managing those expectations up front and um, sort of managing up to use your term, Jason. That's great advice. Fantastic. Thanks again to the data panel, Lindsay, Jason, and Melinda from Chick-fil-A for talking about advancing analytics capabilities. Thanks for listening to Tag Data Talk, sponsored by Emory Continuing Education. I'm Dr. Beverly Wright. Have a great data set.